0: Into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we have got a lot to talk about that's going on in the Big Ten. We have a few great guests with us today. We have Zach Guggenheim from the Big Ten football talk podcast, and we have Kurt and Max from the Sky U Pod. I was calling it the Ski U Pod at the beginning, but I've learned my lesson. It's the Sky U Pod, uh, Minnesota podcast. So we're going to talk some gophers today. We're also going to talk about some Big Ten coaching changes that could possibly be on the horizon. One that actually was announced just today. We'll give our thoughts and our reaction to that. We're also going to talk about this Big Ten SEC advisory board, what's going on with Dartmouth, and kind of how those things connect. And then finally, we're going to ended off with the returning production rankings that bill Connolly has put out there what are our thoughts on that but before we get into that zach how you doing today man
1: good man it's good to be back uh took a bit of a hiatus on my show but it's a little easier when someone else prepares the show so uh it's uh it's fun to be here and uh to be a guest so and i'm excited to talk gophers i i've been uh looking to talk with people about their team and and kurt and max i'm excited to, to get to hang out with you guys and and chat about about pj fleck and the gophers
0: very good yeah kurt max how are you guys doing today
2: do good um you know i i gotta admit I, I was a little sad to start the day here in the passing of toby keith shout out to a legend uh my mom's a huge fan and so she sent in about 20 Toby Heath songs today in our group chat just to uh remember them but um other than that it's been a good day looking forward to talk some college football and uh yeah very good
0: what do you think Max how's your day going
3: pretty good yeah it's definitely been a while it's uh it's nice to you know get back into looking at college football and recruiting and all the offseason chaos basically of <laughs> still the ongoing transfer portal and no one knows how to you know navigate the NIL deals so It's fun. It's new. It's different. It's uh, frustrating in its own way, but it's still college football.
0: It's the new world of college football we live in. You know, it's like everybody keeps talking about college football is ruined and college football is constantly changing. Uh, so that's actually the first thing we're going to talk about. But before we do that, I do want to remind you big 10 huddle is brought to you by big banter sports, BigBanterSports.com. sports.com. Check out all of your big 10 media needs there. And also if you're watching and listening, please do like, and subscribe, whether you're on YouTube podcast, whatever that might be uh, subscribe, follow, give us a rating, like the video. We appreciate that. And please share what your thoughts are in the comments as well. If you have a strong, Thought about anything that we talked about. We'd love to hear what you think. And uh, I do try to go back and respond to those. And so we do appreciate that. All right, guys. So, our very first topic <clears throat> the Big Ten and SEC has has put together an advisory council advisory board, whatever they're calling it. And at the same time, just yesterday, the Dartmouth players were announced that they were giving the uh, ability to unionize and uh, basically negotiate salary with Dartmouth uh, due to the national labor's restoration board, NRLB or whatever it is. So (laughs) I can't remember the NLRB, whatever the acronym is. But essentially what's going on here is we have the Big Ten and the SEC getting together, trying to create a board that can somewhat govern their own conferences because if you know anything about college football, you know that the Big Ten and the SEC are kind of in their own world right now, at least financially, right? There's a lot of things going on and there's kind of some – you know, issues that the Big Ten and the SEC deal with, but typically the Group of Five schools don't deal with those as much. They kind of have their own issues in the ACC and the Big 12 to some extent, but not as much. And what happened yesterday was that Dartmouth players, like I said, were given the ability to not so much be called student athletes anymore, but essentially given the ability to be called student employees. Uh, Dartmouth does plan to appeal this process, but we could very much be looking at essentially the death of the NCAA right before our own very eyes. If they no longer have this seal of student athlete and athletes are turned into student employees, then a lot of what the NCAA has built their name on over the past 60 to 70 years would kind of just start going away. Um, And not only in football and basketball, but in other college athletics as well. And uh, if I have it right, based on what other people said, the Big Ten the SEC just could essentially take themselves away from the NCAA and say, you're not doing your job. You're not putting things together the way we want them to be. And so there's a lot of news on this and what's going down. Zach, we'll get your thoughts first. Do you like the direction of college football with the Big Ten and the SEC most likely getting away from the NCAA in the future?
1: Well, there's, there's the do I like it. And does it make sense? Uh, I don't like it, but I think all the reasons why I don't like it is because it's not the college football I grew up with. But I think that being said, I think this is more of a commentary on how, uh, honestly, how the lack of proactive nature that, that is the, the NCAA that, I, that did not come out the way I wanted it to, but basically the NCAA stinks is my, my tagline there. Um, they have been so slow with the changing needs of the college football world. And this, you know, nothing has been, you know, Tony Petiti and Greg Sankey, they're like, we're not breaking away from the NCAA. Okay, sure. That's, we we see right through you guys. Um, (laughs) But this, I think ever since UCLA and USC announced that they were joining the Big Ten, and you know, right before that you had Oklahoma, Texas, you knew that this was going to be the end game at some point. Because no other conference has the 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 reach and the money and the TV that these two conferences have. And so you're you were looking at a completely different league and system. The real question is how, how much time does it take? And so I I don't like it, but in a lot of ways, the NCAA has so mismanaged college football. I don't know for the past 30 years that it makes sense that people who actually have a vision to go forward are actually making moves to do so. And so I don't like it. But at the same time, they're doing what, quite honestly, NC- the NCAA should have done, which is provide more m- management and oversight. And instead, the SEC and the Big Ten, who have been the leaders, I think, in advancing, especially, I think, with Petiti's background in, in sports media, um, and Greg Sankey has been a, a cutthroat commissioner for the SEC for years. Like I, I just think it, it makes a lot of sense, but I, I don't like it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and Charlie Baker put that you know proposal out there. If people didn't see it, the thirty thousand dollars per player and things like that. What was that like a month or a, a few weeks ago or something like that? And it and never felt like that was something that a the Big Ten and SEC would go for, and b that every group of five team would be able to do. Um, yeah, because they're just on it the conferences and the teams are just on such a different level uh, that it's difficult to even put them together. Um, Kurt, I'm curious on your thoughts. Do you like this direction? Do you like what the big 10, the SEC is doing? Do you like what's going on with Dartmouth? Just all of this stuff. Uh, what are your thoughts at the future here?
2: Yeah. A um, couple thoughts. So I think I mainly agree with Zach. Like I Asked me a couple of years ago, I would have hated this idea. But seeing just where college football's at and kind of the lack of rules right now, as far as like roster rating goes, and basically certain schools buying players off of other schools, you know, they're just not a lot of structure. And, you know, like we all pretty much everyone acknowledges the NCAA failed miserably um, for a long time. I mean, even as far as disciplining teams, uh, look at all the attention Michigan gets for. You know they're they're whatever you want to call it sign stealing that whole gate. Yes, it was big attention because it was Michigan, but um, I just you know I feel like the punishment that the NCAA dealt out to different schools was never equal and it never made sense. Um, you know going back to Gopher basketball from the late '90s, you know we had a couple players that uh, on a Final Four team that had their papers done for them by like a teacher's assistant. And our whole run banner gets tripped away. Meanwhile, you got, you know, who knows what going on in the SEC. I mean, the North Carolina had a class that literally was like a free A to get players eligible, and they didn't even get, you know, a slap on the wrist or anything from the NCAA. So just mismanagement all around. Um, Getting all that being said, I'm hoping that this gets us just to a more structured system between the Big Mm Ten and SEC um, as far as just setting up some more basic. Guidelines and rules to follow, as far as you know. Basically, these two mega conference teams. I mean, we're already getting away from being college athletes at this point. It's becoming a, a NFL junior more and more. It seems like so. If they can just get an actual system in place where it's like, okay, here are the rules that everyone's going to play by, and you know, um if, if everyone can abide by that and stay in this big league, great. I, I just think it's better for just more clarity going forward and and helping you know. My hope is that it stops teams from just being destroyed overnight of all these players leaving from one school to another. And then just adding on the Dar- Dartmouth thing, I would just say I'm hoping that leads to like this profit sharing idea that uh, these schools get from the TV deals. You know, I just think that if you can guarantee those players something that's more likely to keep them on their, their current roster and not just, you know leave for Oregon's Nike deal for a hundred K not that they shouldn't have necessarily a right to do that, but hopefully it just keeps these teams more intact and makes college football feel a little bit more like college football with your team that builds, you know, year over year and not constantly having to get a new team through the portal. Um, Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I do think there's a little bit of danger as far as labeling them employees. Uh, depending on how far you go with that, I mean, you're already seeing some college kids stick around to make the most out of it with like the COVID year and medical red shirts. I believe Miami has a tight end that's back for like his eighth or ninth season or something crazy yeah. like that. So I mean, if if you go so far and label these guys employees, I mean, what's the stop A school that's going to pay like a borderline NFL player that's probably not going to make it in the league, but very beneficial for a D1 college program like what's to stop them from just paying him to be, you know, that student employee for the next seven years. So hopefully, you know, you got to nail out those details of how that's going to all work going forward. But, you know, I'm not the guy that's going to come up with any rock solid solutions. So just hoping we see something soon.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to think about. Max, what are your thoughts on the employees and everything else going on with the situation?
3: Yeah. You know, on the surface, I think I agree with Zach. Like it's not the college football that I grew up watching or, you know, falling in love with. So on the surface, I, my, my initial reaction is I don't like it and I just don't like how it's changing so quickly. And it's, you know, we've got West coast teams playing in the ACC and it just doesn't make any sense, but. When you really look at it and kind of break it down, you know, it all does make sense. And I, my, my hope is that for the long run, it does almost create a more level playing field for some of the smaller programs. Like you talked about, Kurt, if we can do, or if they can implement this profit sharing where, you know, you hear all the time, these kids that play at a, you know, a solid power five school and they get a big, you know, whatever the number is, NIL offer to go to a USC or UCLA or Oregon. It's hard for, you know, how do those kids turn that down for their families? You know what I mean? So in the long run, I hope it gives those kids more opportunities to stay at those programs that they were recruited to mm-hmm. and want to play at if they live close to home or whatever the case may be. So for me, I just hope in the long run, it you know, it, it actually helps some of the smaller programs. Um, But it does also seem like, you know, with the, the Big Ten and SEC kind of joining hands that is it going to be a new league? Is it just its own conference? Are they going to break away completely as if it's like, you know. The FCS is now essentially Division II football. There's a whole other level just added in with this, you know, addition. I, who knows where it's going to shake out. But, yeah, in the long run, I just hope that, you know, these smaller programs, the Houstons, the SMUs, the Wake Forests, you know, they can kind of survive all of this. And, you know, those are teams I you still like to watch on Saturdays.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to think about. I, I've had a thought here recently, ever since some of this news came out, that it it looks like we're heading to kind of like a minor league baseball model, right? Where it looks like the NCAA is in charge of FCS football. And then they're also in charge of FBS football, which is kind of like the group of five and the ACC and the big 12. And then if the big 10, and the SEC kind of disband and do their own thing, then that could kind of turn into the triple a of, uh, of, you know, college football essentially where, you know, you have these like minor league, options, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and then the NCAA is in charge of some and then the conferences are in charge of the others, and maybe the pay, pay scale is different. Uh, but I don't know if that would really work in other sports. I could see I could see it working in football. Um, but then I also don't know how like the NCAA is in charge of every college sport except the Big Ten and the SEC in football. So <laughs> it's like yeah. it's weird. Uh Kurt, your thoughts on like just the future of college athletics and players like is what i'm thinking through is that yeah. something you could see happening too or are you kind of like no i think the ncaa is going to find a way to figure this out what what, do, what are your thoughts about the future kurt
2: well i think the NCA is dead i think they got to be taken out of it i don't know what the government body for all college sports will be going forward it's almost easier to just separate college football out from itself um you know I, because how do you, you know, I think the end goal, the SEC and Big Ten breaking away in football is going to, I don't know how the NCAA is going to be anywhere close to the same thing without those teams and without governing that sport. So once you move off that, like what's to stop the Big Ten and the SEC holding their own end-of-the-year playoff and then inviting, like, say, say I mean, the ACC is going to die here now too. Clemson and Florida State and Miami, they'll all jump ship, I think, too, once this actually happens with those two mega conferences breaking away. But, you know, what's the stop? Say uh, say TCU has another fantastic year out of the Big 12. They look like they could be a top, one of the top 10 teams. What's the stop? The Big 10, the SEC having like these, I don't know, like almost these end of the year playoff invites to even these teams that they don't have conferences to. And like, you know, like I don't see how those other schools could turn that down for the money and exposure they would get for playing in these nationally televised games. And then taking football out of it, you know, there's there's how many Division one basketball schools. I don't know how you even begin to equal out like what those schools will get in a TV deal and, and keep that all under one body. So, I mean, yeah, it's a it's a great question, but I have no idea. And you go down the line, women's basketball, like swimming. I have no idea how you how you just they're all going to need like their own organization. It's almost looking like at this point. So I I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's crazy to think about, Max. I, I'm curious your thoughts on the future. Is the NCA just completely dead, or do you think they stay in contact or, or stay in control of like the Olympic sports, but then basketball and football kind of move away? What are your thoughts, Max?
3: Yeah, I mean, it would make sense that you know the the high profit sports like college football and basketball. Would break away, and that the NCAA, you know, they can keep the swimming and the rowing and the soccer and the other things. No offense to those sports, but the, you know, the, the the things that no they one's don't really produce watched, revenue, right? Yeah, right. No one's tuning in to watch those sports on TV, and if they even are on TV, so you know, it seems like there is a place for you know some sports still need a governing body, whether that's the NCAA or whether it's something else. But yeah, for college basketball and college football, it it kind of needs to be something different because it needs to be better, really, at the end of the day.
2: I just don't know how you let one sport unionize, like the football players or basketball players, in this case, and then like, if if the road team wants to unionize, like okay, like and you're not bringing in money, like how does how does that work at that point? You know, mm-hmm. you it's I don't know how they're going to treat this going forward. Yeah, no, I, that's too, yeah.
3: you know the players that play football and baseball, and I what?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: That's the piece of this that made it so
0: much more confusing to me was like, you know, you, you bring unionization into this and then it's like, well, that's going to be every athlete. It's not just football anymore. It's not just basketball anymore. Exactly. You think?
1: Well, it's even when I saw the headline of Dartmouth, I'm like, what, what revenue are they bringing in? And like, I think I I was telling you guys, I I live near Bucknell university and I'm like, I love Bucknell sports, but Bucknell football like is not good. (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like i don't think they're bringing in any money for the university and yet they're like they could be employees i think that that's just a that's a weird concept and and i think that brings it brings the one major complication well there's a couple major complications one is not every football team is created equal because the reason why the ncaa was so antiquated in the first place I mean, forget all the, you know, the, the wheel of punishments, right? That's, I, that was the the visual I thought of Kurt, when you were talking about all the, yeah. all the, the misaligned punishments for all the things past. that was annoying. But like the main, the, the main reason why the NCAA is not, is no longer relevant is because there was this reality that athletes were bringing in more, more and more revenue and they weren't seeing a cut of it. And now you have to, you have to make this realization that unless if you're like Livy Dunn at LSU, who's a gymnast, who's like worth millions of dollars because of her social media accounts, like your average rower is not producing money or they're not producing revenue. They are sucking revenue. And that that's just the reality for every sport minus football and basketball for the most part. Um, and then Caitlin Clark at Iowa. So like you've, I think that's what does make this complicated is I think there is a, I think there's a pathway for the NCAA to be relevant, just, just not in major college football and basketball, but then with basketball, how do you navigate conferences? Cause the conferences they don't have the same conference problem that football does. Um, because, I mean, the ACC is very healthy from a basketball standpoint. But they're in miserable shape football. So
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, friend Eric from The Ohio Podcast is joining us. Four of the best dudes around. Well, three in JR. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. Love you, Eric. Yeah. Uh, he also says the market derives revenue. The different markets in college sports are so diverse coming up with level playing field across divisions, let alone different sports will be a mess. That's, that's my thought. in it all is, it's yeah. like, I, I can see, you know, football and men's basketball and to a certain extent, women's basketball as well. That sport has grown uh in popularity as well, but it's just like, There is no similarity between the larger schools and the smaller schools that can even begin to make you somehow put them in the same stratosphere, right? Uh, and I think that's that, that, like, that's just the biggest thing we're having to deal with here. Uh, and at the end of the day, the NCAA, they're about to have not an, not really any control. They already don't have control over the national championship for college football and um you know, my biggest fear, not that I like the NCAA, but you know, are we going to lose the NCAA tournament at some point in college yeah. basketball because that's that's literally one of the best and I know this is a football show, but it's literally one of the best events in all of like college athletics uh and all of sports in my mind that's out there and um so like I I want the players to be paid because I think that's the right thing to do. I played college sports. um, And I, you know, I always thought that the players should have been paid, but at the end of the day, it's like, how does mm-hmm. that work? So
1: Jared, I, I, and I'll ask this to all of you guys, but I, I think the thing we're all coming to is that the NCAA abdicated their responsibility to care about the changing trends but I think what we're all saying is that part of the reason why, and I can understand it. Like if I were on the NCAA committee and I I'm confronted, how do you, how do you deal with this? And we're like, I don't know. And I think that's kind of what we're saying is like, this is anybody who thinks that this is going to get easier is wrong because there's a lot of layers to this that we just uncovered. And so, yeah, I, but I think there's a reality that you can't just say, well, it's hard, so we're just not going to deal with it, which is what the NCAA did. So, right.
0: yeah, that's a good point. Uh, other friend of the show, Fisherman's here. There will never be parody in college football. I I don't, I think there can be more. I don't think there will ever be like full parody, like in the NFL where, you know, any 32 teams can win. Um, but I, but I think there can be more than what we have now. Um, he also say NCAA needs March madness. It's their only revenue. Yes. They don't make money from CFB. Yes, exactly. That's why I see a pull away from football much more likely than like a basketball or something like that. Um, but yeah, so it's just a really, really confusing, interesting situation. And at the end of the day, we're not really going to know more until more information comes out. So we'll see what happens. And, uh, if more comes out in this off season, We'll keep you posted on that. Next thing we're going to talk about, this is more Big Ten centric. Big Ten coaches on the move. So, originally, we had, were going to talk about the rumors of Steve Klinkscale and uh, Mike Elston, among others, who could possibly be moving on. Um, after I sent this show sheet to these guys, Mike Elston just decided to, uh, you know, I guess he didn't decide anything yet, but news came out that he is expected to join Jim Harbaugh with the Chargers. So, uh, obviously, that looks like it has already happened, but we still have some other guys bill o'brien possibly going to boston college to be their new head coach he's been on the job at ohio state for like two or three weeks at this point uh it's been rumored that steve clink from michigan is in talks with jim harbaugh as well mike hart has still not signed his technical you know joining the michigan staff over there so we don't really know what's going on with him but it doesn't seem like he is for sure in yet. And then another one newcomer to the conference, Chip Kelly is obviously uh, there's many reports out there about him not being happy about UCLA and the direction of the future that's going on there. So Max, we'll start with you, which one of these exits or potential exits uh, should the fans of these teams be most concerned about?
3: Yeah. I mean, at first, you know, losing Steve Klinscale and Mike Elston, you know, losing two coaches off your staff at Michigan appears to be a big deal. But, you know, Ariel last your head coach, you know, your your whole, you know, it's a lot of roster turnover anyways at Michigan. So I feel like they're already kind of losing those two coaches is just another, you know, another part of their offseason that they kind of had to expect. Uh, to me, I think losing Bill O'Brien from Ohio State, just because he just got there and he hasn't even really coached anything yet, you know, leaving this late in the game, are they going to be able to replace just from within? or are they going to already look to hire someone else outside? You know, it feels like if he leaves, that they're kind of, in a really weird no man's land, without having an offensive coordinator at this part in the season, you know you're approaching spring ball. I don't, you know, it's still Ohio State. I'm sure they'll be fine, but to me, it just seems like a really awkward position to be in to not have an offensive coordinator this late in the game.
0: Yeah, no, for sure, it's it's definitely. Interesting. And I don't know if it would even be resolved unless they, they found somebody, uh, to possibly do that before we move on to the next one. Uh, the Ohio podcast, who's got it better than us. Apparently the Chargers do, uh, well, BTB beat those bums. I've not heard that one, uh, Eric. So uh thanks for that. And then <laughs> yes, I have the game on Fisherman. Uh Ohio State basketball <laughs> just choked an eighteen point lead. I can only laugh at this point. Yes. Um I'm sitting here as Zach was talking, thinking to myself, what is my life? We just lost to Indiana <laughs> at home. Uh this is not a basketball show, so I'll see There's you. gonna be an
1: emergency pod after this about how Chris Holtman needs to be fired. <laughs>
0: Don't worry, we have our pod tomorrow night. Uh, the basketball pod, we'll get to all that. So, uh, Eric made it up. Thank you, Eric. The, uh, creativity there. Um, so Kurt, these guys that I mentioned, uh, Bill O'Brien, Steve Clinkscale, Mike Elston, Mike Hart, uh, and Chip Kelly, your thoughts on which fan base should be the most concerned based off of them leaving or the potential of them leaving? Well,
2: I put you know, it sounds silly. They just won it all. I put just the combination of coaches that Michigan has already lost and is looking at potentially losing. Now, officially, Mike Elston is moving on. Um, you know, you just look at the the resurgence of that that program over the last three or four years, and it was really built on the toughness and just having superior talent in the trenches. Um, I'm no Michigan insider, but I'm assuming their D line coach had a had a pretty decent uh, hand in building up that D line to be as good as it was, and judging by Michigan's fans reactions today to him leaving. um, I'm imagining that's, that's going to be a tough, uh, tough gap to fill. So I got to go with Michigan just because, you know, first year full-time head coach they got now and, and just having to replace all of these coaches. And then also maybe having to focus on keeping your current players there that were committed to this program because of those coaches. So I just a lot going on. And for that reason, I got to go with Michigan. I know they'll end up probably end up being fine. You know, this is a go for fan talking, so I'm sure they'll point that out to me, but that that's just, you know, that just seems like they have the one, the most going on. Um, you know, chip Kelly wanting out of UCLA. I get it on his end because they clearly don't want him. Um, I mean, it was basically announced that he was going to be fired after the USC game and then they won. And then they're just like, well, okay. uh, it's Let's just fired. bring up. <laughs> You know we're we're gonna we're gonna be moving to a new conference. Let's just keep him here, and then we'll go on from there. Like I don't know, like I, I like Chip Kelly a lot. I know he's kind of gotten old here, kind of quickly, it seems like, and maybe he doesn't uh, uh, like the constant recruiting that has to happen right now in the, the current state of college football. But um, so I don't know what UCLA is going to do, but they, you know, they got some decent donors still out there, obviously being where they are, and so I think you know long term. It just takes getting the right people in charge at that place. So, And I'm sure Michigan will be fine, too. But I, like I said, I just feel like they got the most kind of going on, most kind of falls up there to juggle right now. So that's what I got. Yeah,
0: no, it's it, it's definitely interesting. And and I, I second the Michigan thing. Again, I think, you know, Sharon Moore will be fine. Um, I don't think it's like doomsday or anything like that. But you you would like for a first-time head coach to – be able to have some more st- stability. He does on the offensive end, which is good for him. Kirk Campbell is staying, and things like that. Uh, and I think the the tight end coach got moved over to—I can't remember his name—Newsom, uh, I think it was. He's moving over from tight end to O line, and they they hired a previous Michigan coach to come in and be the tight end, Casuela or something like that. I'm terrible with names, if you can't tell. Uh, but you know, he's coming in, and so the offensive side seems to be fine. It's just this defensive side that seems to be a. a A little bit more concerning with what is going to happen with the coaches. Um, Zach, I want you to talk a little bit about, because I know you followed this at at least closely enough to be able to talk about it, the situation with Bill O'Brien. If he does leave, uh, Chip Kelly possibly coming in there and being the offensive coordinator for Ohio State uh, because Chip Kelly just seems to be so upset. He, He may just come and be an offensive coordinator for Ohio State. What do you think about that situation, Zach?
1: I, I would be torn. Um, cause on one hand, I, I think there are things that I would like to, and this is me maybe speaking more as an Ohio state fan than as a big 10 guy. I would like to see Ohio state not revert, uh, to maybe spread tendencies. Although I would like to see more QB run with Will Howard. Um, but I think there are th- tendencies that Chip Kelly has as a play caller that I'm like, uh, I think that was great, maybe against lesser teams with not as good offensive and defensive lines, defensive lines, not offensive lines. Um, but I think for a long time I've wanted Ryan Day to get someone he trusts, and I'm not sure he trusts someone more than Chip Kelly as someone who mentored him for years. And I, I think it's intriguing. I'll be honest. I was never excited about Bill O'Brien and I, I I honestly don't understand why Bill O'Brien would leave Ohio state for Boston college. Like I get being a head coach might be appealing and it's in Boston. So I, I understand those things that appeal, but based off everything we just said about the big 10 and the sec breaking off and like the way of college football, I'm like, you want to go to a mediocre ACC team? what are you doing? Like, so I, to me, there, there's a part of me that's like, well, if he's going to make that decision, I'm not sure I want him as my offensive coordinator. So, um, <laughs> like I get it head coach, you know, you, I, I get being in that area. So maybe that's, that's probably not a helpful dig, but, um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not super concerned about it mostly. Cause I'm like, I think there were good things about Bill O'Brien. I I didn't think there there I thought there were things that were not great about Bill O'Brien. I think the same is true with Chip Kelly if he comes in. I'm like I think there are good things about it, and I think there are things where I'm like I think by we get by the time we get to the Oregon game, I think people will probably be saying at some point fire Chip Kelly, Um, whether they win the game or not. I think that's gonna like there's going to be frustrations with any of these guys. Um, So I think the big question is do they beat Michigan and do they get to the playoff? Like that's <laughs> ultimately like if, if they don't beat Michigan, I don't really care who they hire, but yeah, so that that's my best non-answer I can give you.
0: <laughs> well, Ryan day has to beat Michigan for his job, right? I mean, yeah. it's been talked about on here multiple times. If he, he could go 11 and one, but if he loses to Michigan,
1: Oh, it's over.
0: <laughs> he's probably he's probably done. As crazy as that sounds, he's probably probably done. Uh, we got a few comments here from Fisherman. I want to bring up. I agree. Being the Ohio, uh, the offensive corner Ohio coordinator, the offensive coordinator of Ohio State, especially this year, is a better job than head coach at Boston College. There's more involved because of his family. Yes. Um. I've I've stayed away from the family talk of Bill O'Brien just because like. I don't think I'd want somebody talking about my family on a random podcast. And so, you know, I just stay away Mm -hmm. from it. But if you're not aware of what's going on, Bill O'Brien has a son with a a lifelong disease that requires Mm -hmm. constant care. And the doctor that he's always worked with or one of the specialists for that disease is up in Boston. And so the thought is, is that even though the job isn't the best, Bill O'Brien might not be able to say no to you know, actually living around his son and his family uh, up in Boston. And perhaps that's why he went back to the Patriots from the beginning. So um, I
1: I want to withdraw my last comment. And I feel awful that I just said what I said. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I appreciate that insight. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's (laughs) That's, like I said, I, you know, I don't want to sit here and ask questions about like, what would you do if your child was, you know, like I'm not going to sit here and do that. But uh, if anybody isn't aware, that's, that's kind of like what the theory amongst fans is. He's not come out and said this publicly, but kind of the theory out there. Uh, Fisherman also says if, if uh, Bill O'Brien leaves, Ohio state will be fine. I don't think they hire chip or I don't think if they. I don't like, sorry, I don't like if they hired Chip Day is from the chip tree. I actually agree with Fisherman here. Uh, Not a lot of Ohio State fans tend to agree with me, but uh, I would not be happy if Chip was the offensive coordinator simply because I've been in a situation where I've kind of like been a pseudo boss of somebody that I would consider my mentor. It's not easy, Um, and it's really not easy to tell somebody what to do who's been telling you what to do all of your life, kind of giving you advice like – it just it feels like it it wouldn't go well. Um, and so who, like who
1: would be your pick?
0: Who would be my personal pick? Yeah, uh, probably Jason Candle or Joe, Mo- Joe Moorhead at this point. I wouldn't hate Paul Crist. I don't think it would be a good hire, uh, but I wouldn't hate it. Um, I would I would dislike the Chip Kelly hire the most though out of all of them. So, uh, and the one last one, and then we'll move on. Um, this was when. I think we were talking a little bit more about Michigan, but Fisherman says, but Michigan could be in trouble. How many connections does Moore have? I wonder how their portal in the spring will be. That was my other thought with losing some of these coaches is like, you know, Sharon Moore will get coaches because Michigan will, you know, be able to pay money for, for coaches. And uh, I mean, they just, the rumor was that they offered Mike Elston to be the highest paid defensive line coach in the nation. Um, so if they have enough money to do that, they have enough money to hire, hire other coaches. And Sharon Moore came in for like less than half for what they sold, um, for what they sold, um, not sold what they were going to to pay Jim Harbaugh for. So they have money to throw around. Um, but yes, you're exactly right. Fisherman, who are they going to get to make that happen? um, and Eric Eric I don't think this is happening we talked about this on the show. don't forget about a possible Kevin Wilson <laughs> returning I would love it I don't think it's going to happen uh and then we got Joseph here Ohio State getting rid of Ryan Day would be sweet music to Michigan fans um yeah I mean they they like to talk about how Ryan Day's soft so I don't know <laughs> so I don't know if it would be sweet music to them, unless it's just a front and they really well <laughs> I don't know but uh yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. Good to get that info from the chat. All right, Kurt, Max, this is uh, kind of you guys' time. The Minnesota offseason moves. I'm curious what you guys think. Um, Let's start with, like, the... The highlights of the offseason for you guys personally, Kurt. Uh we'll start with you. What's what's been like the highlight of the Minnesota offseason so far? Uh you've had some transport transfer portal additions, things like that. Recruiting is obviously starting for 2025. The signing day is tomorrow for 2024. Uh, what are some of your highlights of the off-season so far, Kurt?
2: Yeah, um, well, gotta start with the coordinator as far as highlights go. Um if you follow Gopher Football Twitter at all, we are convinced that we just got rid of the worst special teams coordinator of all time. Um, I won't shame his name any more than it's been shamed, but let's just say the game of college football is better now that he's not a coach in it. And uh, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. So there we hired uh, you know, I don't even know much about um, Bob Legaschewski. He's got a lot of experience coaching special teams, both in the NFL and at Syracuse. Um I know I saw some people say that Syracuse fans weren't like that upset that he left or moved on or whatever, but you know, he can't be worse than what we had. So, that getting a new special teams coordinator, that's that's highlight number one for me. And then, um, did definitely didn't want to lose Joe Rossi at all, but um, getting to replace him with Corey uh, Heatherman, linebacker coach out of Rutgers. Um, I forgot who tweeted it, but one of the things they brought up about. Corey, i uh, was one of our rutgers friends through through big banner i just don't remember which one tweeted out but uh talked about how much he improved their linebackers while his time there and making them from a weakness to the strength on the defense i feel like if you were to nitpick rossi's defense while he was here it would be the linebacker play overall it was probably always the weak link so bringing someone in that could maybe improve that that position specifically and then you know hopefully build within the same scheme that pj likes to run i i gotta go with the coordinator hires just so far as the uh the highlights excellent yeah no i
0: i made a joke when they hired the ruckers linebacker coach i was like minnesota and ruckers they're just wheeling it's, and uh, uh, it's this
2: a thing p- yeah they're they're <laughs> just like a mirror looking at each other right now as far as players and coaches going back and forth so yeah, yeah it's interesting yeah.
0: it's funny uh max what have been your highlights of the offseason so far
3: yeah, you know, the biggest the biggest news for Gopher football was that, uh, you know, we're losing our quarterback. He was transferring. We actually transferred then to Rutgers. Um, but getting Max Brosmer in from New Hampshire, you know, he was one of the top FCS quarterbacks. And, you know, we'll have to see how he can perform, but it is exciting to get one of the, uh, you know, a name that you see in a top 10 list of, of transfer quarterbacks coming in. And then also a, a freshman quarterback, Drake Lindsey, um, out of Arkansas. And I think he was just a shade under a four-star recruit. So, um, you know, the new quarterback room will be interesting to see how that pans out. Um, I'm hoping we can still get another transfer quarterback just as a depth backup in case of emergency, but, um, you know, for now I'm, I'm excited about Brosmer and then some of the recruits coming in too. you know, it's nice to see some four stars in the, in the trenches. There's two four-star offensive linemen and even a four-star defensive lineman too. And they're all kind of coming mm. from the, you know, Wisconsin, I think one's from North Dakota and even Kansas. So mm. getting kind of those top state, re- state recruits from the surrounding areas. And then also the number one recruit in Minnesota, um, and a top five, I think safety recruit in Coy Parrish uh, he comes from way up north in Esco, Minnesota, which if you don't know where that is, it's essentially Canada. Uh, but I know he was a he was an All American in high school. He performed very well in the I think it was the All American, um, the Army, yep. whatever
2: defensive MVP.
3: Yeah, and he yeah he's a guy too that he's a safety, but I think he can return to kicks. He he played basically every position on the field. So um, from a star-studded recruiting standpoint, you know we haven't had a guy like that come in in a long time. So. Um, and just happy that he actually stayed committed to the golfers too. There was some rumors that he could have gone to, to Ohio
2: State. Ohio State later. made a pretty late push, and they were pushing for mm-hmm. him pretty hard. He did take a visit, and uh, yeah, yeah, he stayed. So yeah,
3: he'll, he'll be here for his, at least a year. We'll see.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's impressive, though, when Ohio State uh, comes comes for somebody and Uh, wants to wants to go after him and to have the commitment i know they did that with a purdue guy as well i can't remember it and he stayed committed so um you know that's that's really really impressive i think ohio state is satisfied with getting caleb downs uh so i think they'll be okay but
2: but i don't know how they're gonna recover
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh but they still they seem to be okay um I, I do have a couple questions, but I want to get to you guys' thoughts on the other side of it. Uh, you know, Max, we'll start with you first since we started with first with Kurt last time. Uh, what has been some things this off season that might have given you some concern for the future, or maybe uh, you're, you're just not too happy about? You would like to see the team go in a different direction uh, so far this off season.
3: Yeah, you know, like Kurt touched on, I mean, losing Joe Rossi is huge just because he's been with the program. You know, he's been with PJ his whole career, I'm pretty sure, at least in the um, you know, when he's been with Power Five football. So coming from on the defensive side of the ball, you know, I wish we would have a little bit more I know we have some transfers coming in the quarterback position, but it feels like we have need a lot of help in the defensive secondary. But hopefully, you know, with the you know, the new coach coming in some new faces we'll see if someone can step up that's kind of floating under the radar right now isn't under you know a recruit that just hasn't stood out or you know hasn't really caught the attention of anyone yet but maybe can step up and kind of be a, a developmental type player but you know for me, I'm just mostly concerned about how this defense can kind of bounce back especially with you know we have some we have some good uh experience on the defensive front uh but losing you know your your star safety you know we still have our our top corner coming back but it just feels like we need a lot of uh, experience and especially at the linebacker position. I know we have um, Cody Lindenberg coming back. He has a lot of experience and he's really a talented linebacker, but he's been injured pretty much his whole time here. So if we can mm. get some more depth at the at the linebacker position as well. Um, it just feels like there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of gaps, but you know, until we really see our guys take the field, it's gonna be hard to tell what exactly we need to, you know, need to improve at.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Kurt, your thoughts on the concerns this offseason.
2: Yeah. um, You know, Max mentioned him as a highlight and it is, we got a talented guy in Max Brosmer for quarterback, but I, you know, last year we were stuck with only two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. And we're almost, we're looking at that currently right now. I know there's still that spring portal window and I, I feel like maybe Gopher for friends are just assuming we'll get somebody, but we've had, you know, we've had quarterbacks committed. We had a guy out of Fresno who played like 50, 50 starting back up at Fresno to come in and be kind of like that, Filler guy between the freshman we like, Drake Lindsey, and Max Brosmer's only got one year left to maybe compete for that first year, if not, be another solid backup for Drake when he takes over the job, or you would hope he would anyway. But he decommitted and went to play FCS. These these college quarterbacks they they like to go where they can play right away or have a better chance at playing. Mm-hmm instantly and being the guy. So I don't think it's it's as easy as some fans believe it is to just snag another scholarship quarterback and bring him in, knowing he's probably, I mean, you pretty much promised Max Brosmer to be the guy this year. So you you're not going to bring in a guy and be like, yeah, it's an open competition. It's really not for this year. So getting a guy to actually commit to you when those are the circumstances in today's college football is really Mm -hmm. tough to do. So that is that's my concern because you know uh suffered a lot of injuries at running back last year and we got thin there fast. So I'm hoping that it doesn't happen the quarterback position this upcoming year and we'll see where it goes. And then I would also add linebacker as well. Um, They were kind of the weak link last year's defense and a lot of the young guys in walk-ons actually got experience, which is great because they're all coming back, but you know, you'd like to have somebody there just for reassurance if they don't take that level of growth, you think they would after getting their first, real playing time so i would like to maybe get another quarterback and linebacker if i had a wish list as far as who we can grab come the spring window out of uh out of the transfer portal
0: interesting very interesting uh zach i'll let you uh, ask a question or two first if you have any and then i have one that that i'll ask after you
1: yeah and maybe this is less about offseason but and more maybe trajectory of the program the the sense that I had been getting with PJ Fleck was that maybe it had he had become stale, but I haven't talked with, you know, people kind of close to the program. I'm curious, what where do you feel like the trajectory is, particularly with PJ Fleck heading up the program?
2: Yeah, I think this is the most interesting off season PJ's had. And just like it's it's the most um Intriguing offseason, maybe I should say, just because of all the changes around him. He's losing his defensive coordinator, like we said, who he's had. Been rock solid. I mean, Rossi had us in the top ten scoring defenses, not last year, but I think before that it was like three straight full seasons we were in there. Maybe it was only two, but still. And PJ's not a defensive guy, so he really relies on his coordinator. So that's a big thing going on. Um, Ethan Kelly manus was like his guy. Like he was supposed to be like the future of this offense and throwing it all over with him was supposed to be the future. Well his first full year as the starter didn't go well. So he booted him to the side and he brought in basically a whole new quarterback room. Um he stuck with his co-offensive coordinator. So it was their first year on the job is for uh for Harbaugh at least on that that end. So yeah, it's just I feel like he really doubled down on his staff this year. Um and he's going he's kind of go I don't say all in, but if he has another year like this past year I think the seat's going to start to get hot. So I don't, I want to say he's trending down. There's just a lot of changes that he kind of is betting on that he made the right decisions for this upcoming year. And if it fails, um, it's going to look kind of tough for him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Uh, was that your only question, Zach? Or do you have another one?
1: Well, you, I think you answered my question about Kaliak Manis, but any, any other insight aside from just, it didn't work out.
2: Well, Max, maybe I'll let Max jump in on this one first. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, nothing. I, yeah, I don't think there's really anything official, at least that I know, one hundred percent, or anything that's come out. But all the signs basically said that you know, I don't whether PJ sat him down and told him you're not the guy, or Ethan, okay. you know, Ethan wasn't going to be the starter in the bowl game, and that was a pretty telling sign that you know, next year it's an open competition, and then he pretty quickly was in the portal. So huh. it seemed like he just wanted to be, in, Ethan wanted to be in a position where he could start and compete, Um, but he didn't want to really have to compete at Minnesota where he thought he was already, you know, the top dog. Yeah.
0: Who was going to be the starter for the bowl game?
2: Well, I don't, yeah, I think they were just opening it up to like, yeah, like anything's on the table for the oh, bowl like game. You, he, you he more than for, likely... Okay. Right. He more than likely probably could have won the job again and started, but, uh, yeah, supposedly that was the, one of the stories that came out. Um, I, I don't know this and I don't want to piss anyone off. It sound the the source sounds like it was Ethan's dad. That was like before this story that came out as far as. Nathan felt like he was receiving a little bit more blame than fair for struggles that happen and whatnot. And um, I think the coaches maybe chewed him out more than he felt like was fair. But then at the same time, you know, I kind of get it from Nathan's standpoint. Like Kirk Soraka was the guy that recruited him. He's the uh, Rutgers offensive coordinator. He was the one that developed and, and, and we had Sirocco last, you know, two seasons ago, I should say when, and when Nathan came in for an injured Tanner Morgan, yeah, he was up and down, but he showed glimpses of, you know, being a great passer. Like he beat, Mad- he beat Wisconsin in Madison throwing for over 300 yards two years ago. So there's definitely talent there. And if I don't blame him for moving back to the guy that recruited him and who's got more of a history working with quarterbacks than our current offensive coordinators do now. So I, I completely get it from Ethan's standpoint as well.
1: Is it. JR, is it me or the more I'm hearing about it from Curtin Max about Minnesota's situation, it kind of feels like Ohio State's situation a little bit.
2: Really, <laughs> we're one right game away it. from the ch- national championship playoffs. Well, That's just sweet I, the quarterback, yeah, no, I, quarterback uh, just, and,
1: right. and, and the special teams coordinator. I chuckled yes. a bit because I was like, Does Parker Fleming have a twin at Minnesota yeah. that I didn't know about? Like, <laughs>
0: Ooh. yeah no i was getting ready to ask you zach i was like huh make you think of any quarterbacks and dads <laughs> out there that you thought of before in the past
2: like- well yeah and i don't want to say Ethan's dad was not like overbearing through this process it's just for this right. one story it makes it sound like it was his dad talking about it. and i don't know that uh, that's all just me speculating uh athan's always seemed like a nice kid the whole time he was here and everything yeah. so i'd nothing bad to say, about.
0: And and truthfully, that's what it comes back to with the Ohio State situation with Kyle McCord is like it was all rumors and it was all speculation. But, you know, there are certain I'm not going to name it by name, but there's certain people out there who cover Ohio State football that if they say something, it's like gospel. You know, it's like, oh, well, this person said it. It's not a rumor anymore. It's true. When in reality, it's like nobody Nobody's right. actually in there and knows exactly what's going on, right? Um, and so a lot of people have taken it as like, "Oh, this is the complete truth," and you know, Kyle McCord's dad sucks and all these things. And it's like, well, maybe he does, but maybe he was right. also just a concerned father. You know, right. again, I don't want to speculate on you know how somebody is a father to their children. So, yeah no. interesting, interesting. All right, well, we have our last topic. Uh, appreciate that from the Minnesota side, guys, and everything. Whoops. There it is. Um, returning production rankings. So if you didn't see, I tweeted out the returning production rankings for the big 10, uh, earlier this week, I should have had that pulled up before I started talking about it here, but I know Nebraska was first with 77%. Let me find them here. I apologize. Yes, Nebraska was first with 77%, Northwestern second with 76%, Rutgers third, 74%, Minnesota and Wisconsin were, t- were tied with 71%, Penn State with 70% and sixth, Oregon and Iowa tied at 69%, Illinois was ninth with 62%, Ohio State Michigan State tied at 10th with 61%, Indiana, 56%. UCLA and Purdue, both 51%. USC, 50%. Maryland, 16th with 45%. And then rounding out the end, tied and last was Michigan and Washington, both returning 36% of their returning production. So definitely an interesting situation here with the, B, with the Big Ten and who's coming back. Uh, Zach, we'll kick this to you first. What stands out in these rankings and percentages to you the most?
1: The the national champion and the national runner-up have not a little over a third of their production both returning. And that like they they're gonna be shells of themselves next year, which is just insane because they were both great this year. And so that that's the first thing that stands out to me. The second Is as, as much as being made for Ohio state, bringing everybody back. If you told me that they were tied with Michigan state for returning production, I, like, I would not have believed you. Cause like, I think the, I think the word on Michigan state right now is, Oh, you know, Jonathan Smith, like he's, he's going to be a good coach for them, but like they did not have a good year and they're going to lose a lot of people. But that number, and I know that number. It's one statistic. It's one. It's one metric. But it is surprising that Ohio State, and Michigan State, are are tied, and it, it just gives me a little pause. Particularly as we we probably elevate Ohio State and are sobered a bit with Michigan State, it it just it gives me pause a little bit for both of those programs on how we're perceiving them.
0: Yeah, no for sure. Uh, it's definitely interesting and um, you know, Michigan State and Ohio State could not be much different because Michigan State, their offense returning production is less than 50% and then their defense is what is 74%. So one less than 75. When in Ohio State, their offensive production and their defensive production are both at 61%, which you know, with all the guys they brought back on defense, I, I wouldn't have said that, but you think they're losing, uh, two linebackers and, uh, they, they've lost, uh, a safety, um, you know, obviously they brought in another safety in that area, but, uh, it is interesting to think about there. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Kurt, what stood out to you the most?
2: Uh, one, just how Northwestern's got, you know, coming off a year where they, Outperformed a lot of people's expectations and returning so much of that production, um, and looking like they got the right guy at the head coaching spot. So it's kind of exciting to see what what they do. Um, I'm not gonna lie, Minnesota surprised me a little bit just because you know losing Newman. I guess I didn't know exactly how it all factored in. It's probably just you know how many starters you lost essentially and how many snaps. To too. Yeah. Okay. So. But uh, having our defense be uh, as high of a percentage as it was returning that was, you know, a little bit comforting as a go for fantasy. I guess just uh, they had they had their struggles, but uh, getting that many guys back made me feel good. And then I would also just point out, um, you know, Purdue kind of surprised me with how low they were, just in the fact that you know it was the first year. Um, I'm blanking on their coach's name now. Ryan Walters. Thank you, Ryan Walters. You know, I thought he did okay for his first first full year there. I mean, I don't know what they were really expecting after losing Braum and, you know, having a lot of guys kind of... I felt like they already had a lot of roster turnover, so I wasn't expecting them to be down as much. But then I thought about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it seemed like every other day there was somebody leaving in the portal for them getting mm-hmm. lured away, it felt like. So kind of curious to see what that means for for Purdue going forward and just if it's going to be a... A difficult road for them to maintain players going forward
0: yeah i know it's it's interesting i know purdue brought in some uh you know like georgia players and stuff like that and uh so that's obviously gonna be a feather in their cap but uh but yeah losing that many players you know if nothing else culture and things like that ryan walters is trying to build that that's definitely something that impacts that uh max your thoughts on the rankings overall
3: yeah. Kind of echoing what Zach said, you know, it's interesting to see a Washington and Michigan coming in so low, especially after both these being a the national championship. Um, my first thought is like, we just saw what happened with TCU this year coming off of their national championship run. They lose, you know, all their star power. They at least get to keep their coach. And we still saw what the season, you know, they had this year, uh, Washington basically lost everything and they are coming to the big 10. So that's going to be a pretty tough road to try to climb. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if they can, you know, continue their their success or not. And anyway, even Michigan's kind of in the same boat. New, new coaching staff, uh, a lot of turnover on the roster. You know, can they bounce back from all that success? It'll it'll be tough. But um, mm-hmm. the other thing is the new stand out. Uh, I'm. This might just be my perception from past off seasons, but it always seems like Nebraska wins the off season every year in the big 10 and seeing them ranked so high, makes me worried, uh, that they're kind of set up to fail. Now. I think I like Matt rule a lot. And I think that the year that they had last season being his first year at head coach was a successful one. Um, I'm just, I'm worried for the Sully scoop podcast. (laughs) that This is gonna, you know, I'm sure they're already predicting to go undefeated and, and win the big 10, but, uh, Hopefully, seeing these numbers is not going to uh, pump the tires too much. But
2: you can't stop that fan base. Sorry, they already have the trophy. They've already hung the banner. They already given the quarterback—I forget his name. They've already given him the oh, Heisman uh, for the next three years. It's it's a done deal in their minds. But I I, I respect that. Um, just, as long as they keep losing to PJ, it's okay with me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I, I was, I was getting ready to ask that before you said that there at the, at the end, Max, I was like, really, is nobody going to talk about 77% <laughs> Nebraska off season champs every year? Uh, it was funny. The last live stream we did, uh, I had the solo scoop pod and Justin Adams, who was also a Nebraska fan on, and uh, we were talking about Oregon and I, I learned how much Nebraska fans uh, don't don't believe in Oregon, uh, last episode. And, uh, you know, Oregon's returning a good amount 69%. is pretty good, but, uh, you know, it's nowhere near the 77% of Nebraska. (laughs) Um, I'll ask this question to you, Zach, and then we'll kind of, we'll kind of end here and open it up for any final thoughts. If anybody has anything, but, uh, Nebraska, 77%, Zach, are you going to be a believer in the Cornhuskers? (laughs)
1: I I'm a believer in the sense that I think they make a bowl and I, I, and I I've said, I I think I said it on the OHI, the Ohio podcast. I I think Nebraska beats USC. That's like my upset of the year in the big 10 next year. Um, but I, I think if people think that Dylan Rayola is going to come in to the new look big 10 and win 11 or 12 games and win the big 10, like that's just a big ask with everybody else coming in, but I I do think the foundation for Nebraska is so much healthier than it was under Mike Riley and especially under Scott Frost. Uh, now that they have Matt Rule, so I, I I didn't mention Northwestern or Nebraska, but those two did stand out. And uh, I I don't know. I I think eight wins is a I would like I'm not a betting man, but if i if the over under was was eight, I'd be tempted to go over um so the one other thing and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts I think Rutgers is a hard schedule, but seeing that they return seventy four percent of their production like i I wonder how much of a sleeper pick they might be, not obviously not to win the big ten but I thought what they did this year was incredible for the schedule they had, you know, six and six with you had Virginia tech in the non-conference non-conference who ended up being a, a bowl team. You had the East, which was a bear. You had Northwestern who ended up being much better than anyone expected. And they went six and six with that schedule, that returning production. I, I don't know. Do they, do they maybe get to seven wins in the regular season? Um, I think it's going to be tough because of their schedule, but that, that stood out to me too.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think the, the top three there was very interesting to me. You know, you have ne- Nebraska, Northwestern and Rutgers who all kind of had different years and they were all kind of near the same record, but it seemed like you could write a different story for each, every one of those years and uh, to be returning what they had, you almost wonder, you know, whose story, continues on from last year and uh continues to be written and, and going in a different way. So uh Kurt, you have any final thoughts before we get out of here?
2: Yeah, no, um not really. Is this where I'm supposed to plug myself? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: sure, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Check us out on SkyuPod Again, we're the gopher podcast for Big Banter. And uh yeah, check us out on Twitter at SkyUPod1 and appreciate you having us on yeah of course and
0: max same thing sky U pod with you correct yep all the same stuff all right very good zach you want to tell people where they can find you at i know you're on a hiatus right now but when you come back from your hiatus uh where, where can they find you at man
1: yeah um you can find us on spotify youtube uh yeah, work apple podcast really spotify and youtube would be the two places to really to really find us. so um, and, and, you know, maybe in the future I, I can get, uh, is it the sky u pod? Am I saying that right? That's correct. We, we might have to get you on, on the big 10 football talk podcast to be talking some Minnesota, uh, Minnesota football.
0: So
2: definitely be down for
0: that. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. And thank you so much to uh, the Sky U pod for coming on and Zach appreciate it. Uh, Zach is going to be with us the rest of the month, except next Tuesday. I got something going on there, but uh, the next couple Tuesdays in the month, he'll be with us, join us kind of like Justin did. uh, And it'll be a good time. Uh, If you have any thoughts, please do comment them. Let us know what you're thinking. And uh, thank you everybody for coming on. Have a great night.